Section 11 of Inquiry Concerning Political Justice and Its Influence on Morals and Happiness. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Dykstra, Farragut, Iowa. Inquiry Concerning Political Justice and Its Influence on Morals and Happiness by William Godwin Book 1, Chapter 7 Of the Influence of Luxury The Objection Stated Source of this Objection Refuted from Mutability From Mortality From Sympathy The Probability of Perseverance Considered the second objection to the principles already established is derived from the influence of luxury and affirms that nations, like individuals, are subject to the phenomena of youth and old age, and that, when a people by effeminacy and deprivation of manners have sunk into decrepitude, it is not within the compass of human ability to restore them to vigor and innocence. This idea has been partly founded upon the romantic notions of pastoral life and the golden age. Innocence is not virtue. Virtue demands the active employment of an ardent mind in the promotion of the general good. No man can be eminently virtuous who is not accustomed to an extensive range of reflection. He must see all the benefits to arise from a disinterested proceeding and must understand the proper method of producing those benefits. Ignorance, the slothful habits and limited views of uncultivated life, have not in them more of true virtue, though they may be more harmless than luxury, vanity, and extravagance. Individuals of exquisite feeling, whose disgust has been excited by the hardened selfishness or the unblushing corruption which have prevailed in their own times, have recurred in imagination to the forests of Norway, or the bleak and uncomfortable highlands of Scotland, in search of a purer race of mankind. This imagination has been the offspring of disappointment, not the dictate of reason and philosophy. It may be true that ignorance is nearer than prejudice to the reception of wisdom, and that the absence of virtue is a condition more auspicious than the presence of its opposite. In this case, it would have been juster to compare a nation sunk in luxury to an individual with confirmed habits of wrong than to an individual whom a debilitated constitution was bringing fast to the grave. But neither would that comparison have been fair and equitable. The condition of nations is more fluctuating and will be found less obstinate in its resistance to a consistent endeavor for their improvement than that of individuals. In nations, some of their members will be less confirmed in error than others. A certain number will be only in a very small degree indisposed to listen to the voice of truth. This number, from the very nature of just sentiments, must in the ordinary course of things perpetually increase. Every new convert will be the means of converting others. In proportion as the body of disciples is augmented, the modes of attack upon the prejudices of others will be varied, and suited to the variety of men's 
tempers, and prepossessions. Add to this that generations of men are perpetually going off the stage while other generations succeed. The next generation will not have so many prejudices to subdue. Suppose a despotic nation, by some revolution in its affairs, to become possessed of the advantages of freedom. The children of the present race will be bred in more firm and independent habits of thinking. The suppleness, the timidity, and the vicious dexterity of their fathers will give place to an erect mien and a clear and decisive judgment. The partial and imperfect change of character, which was introduced at first, will in the succeeding age become more unalloyed and complete. Lastly, the power of reasonable and just ideas in changing the character of nations is, in one respect, infinitely greater than any power which can be brought to bear upon a solitary individual. The case is not of that customary sort where the force of theory alone is tried in curing any person of his errors, but is as if he should be placed in an entirely new situation. His habits are broken through, and his motives of action changed. Instead of being perpetually recalled to vicious practices by the recurrence of his former connections, the whole society receives an impulse from the same cause that acts upon the individual. New ideas are suggested, and the languor and imbecility, which might be incident to each, are counteracted by the spectacle of general enthusiasm and concert. But it has been further alleged that even should a luxurious nation be induced by intolerable grievances and notorious usurpation to embrace just principles of human society, they would be unable to perpetuate them and would soon be led back by their evil habits to their former vices and corruption. That is, they would be capable of the heroic energy that should expel the usurper, but not of the moderate resolution that should prevent his return. They would rouse themselves so far from their lethargy as to assume a new character and enter into different views, but, after having for some time acted upon their convictions, they would suddenly become incapable of understanding the truth of their principles and feeling their influence. Men always act upon the apprehensions of preferableness. There are few errors of which they are guilty which may not be resolved into a narrow and inadequate view of the alternative presented for their choice. Present pleasure may appear more certain and eligible than distant good, but they never choose evil as apprehended to be evil. Wherever a clear and unanswerable notion of any subject is presented to their view, a correspondent action or course of actions inevitably follows. Having thus gained one step in the acquisition of truth, it cannot easily be conceived as lost. A body of men, having detected the injurious consequences of an evil under which they have long labored, and having shaken it off, will scarcely voluntarily restore the mischief they have annihilated. No recollection of past error can reasonably be supposed to have strength enough to lead back into absurdity and uncompensated subjection men who have once been thoroughly awakened to the perception of truth. 
End of section 11.